uh, I, I imagine um, a lot of folks in the room uh, live in nice communities and nice neighborhoods, but it is um, amazing to see what's going on and what people are doing to try and get by uh, in many, many cities in this country and the housing uh, situation that exists. So when you couple that with the issues going on on the political front, it really leaves a lot of challenges on how to solve that issue. Uh, we are the financing behind that, uh, uh, behind the entrepreneurs that are trying to help fin- uh, solve that issue, but uh, that's something that's it's definitely very concerning and, and not abating anytime soon. Thanks, guys. My name is Eddie Vanderpart, and I run a impact venture capital fund focused on climate change, um, focused on ag tech, focused on health, and focused on education. Uh, obviously, what scares me is the, the, the climate we have changing from a super sunny, no cloud in the sky to a, uh, a lot of rain and storm coming. But what excites me is... I'll quote Ayrton Senna, famous Formula One driver, who said, you can't overtake 15 cars when it's sunny, but you can when it rains. <laughs> Hi, I'm Rich Keyens. I'm a venture partner with Orange Grove Bio. We're uh, in the biotech business, so I guess the two things that I would say that are the one thing that scares me and the one that excites me have a fairly strong overlap. So... What concerns me is uh, a lot of what you heard about earlier today, uh, talking about disparities. Health disparities are, are uh, I think, equally as big and important a consideration. Um, I, when you look around this country and see the disparities in how people get treated, how long they live, what kind of diseases they die of, um, it's obviously something as a country I think we really have to grapple with. What I'm excited about is I've been in this business for a long time, or a really long time. And uh, I have a lot of kids. They always ask me, Dad, other than talk on the phone all day, all day long, do you actually do any real work? Um, my usual response is not much more than that. I'm on the phone most of the time. But the, um, the other question that they often ask is, you know, in your career, how, where do you see the level of innovation and excitement about new stuff uh, today versus when you started? And I am happy to report that that's a pretty good story. Um, the things that are going on right now in biotech, I think, really are going to have the potential to make some substantial changes to the way uh, we live and the way we're treated and the way we uh, sustain our lives. So uh, it's a very exciting time. And I can tell you the Cincinnati ecosystem for biotech is getting stronger. Uh, we're proud to be a part of that. We moved our headquarters here last year. So... Those are the things that excite me. So, Chad, I know your partner, Mike, but welcome. Thank you. Uh, Chad Summy with eGateway Capital. We're an investment firm focused on the future of digital commerce. Um, what scares me is, I would say, consistent in some regards, there's always going to be big barriers, but we need big leaders to, to focus and deal with those. And I, I think there's just a leadership vacuum um, that we have to address, um, both nationally, locally, um, to really come up with big solutions to big problems. What excites me, though, is I, I think um, the future is bright. Obviously, we're focused right here in the Midwest, but the digital, the convergence of uh, the transformation coming on with this convergence of digital platforms with analog businesses is really early. It's just getting started, and there's so much opportunity for innovation, and I, I think the Midwest is really positioned well. 
being at the center, um, what we call the corridor of commerce. So it's uh, super exciting. Great. And Fred, if you're, if we got your mic turned on now. Hey Mark, can you hear me? And you, Fred, you have some Cincinnati roots. Your family does, right? Yes, uh, my mom's side of the family grew up in Cincinnati. Enjoyed uh, spending summers seeing Reds games growing up. Um, currently, with Curling Clinic, we're a health system in Roanoke, Virginia. We oversee about $3 billion in assets split between a ERISA pension plan and our operating reserves. So in the current environment, we're a bit more cautious um, given the kind of potential peak growth, peak inflation we're seeing now. As such, we've been adding treasury exposure to our portfolio. I think you've heard a lot of talk about the 60-40 portfolio being dead. Um, year to date, that's pretty much true. But I think moving forward, given where treasury yields are, there's more value in treasuries. And ultimately, if there is an economic slowdown or recession, long treasuries are probably the best hedge that, uh, you know, set aside commodities. Long treasuries are probably the best hedge for an equity portfolio. Where we see opportunity, we, um, we've been building our private uh, portfolio. We have been focused on the early stage, and we think that you're not seeing valuation multiples contract, um, you know, at the early company formation stage. There's a lot of innovation happening now um, on the equity, on the public equity side. We think uh, biotech's attractive. Biotech's pulled back significantly since the 2020 push with the vaccine developments, et cetera. And the other area, um, if you can get past the geopolitical risks, we think China equities look attractive given given the pullback there and valuation levels at multi-year lows relative to, to U.S. equities. Thanks, Fred. Bill, I see on the screen uh, you were going to moderate this panel. You just came back from Europe for three weeks. How do you see the world? Yeah, no, th- thanks, Mark. And uh, good, good to see all of you. And sorry I'm not there. I think it was a good audible uh, for you to moderate because I think that uh, doing it virtually would be a little bit challenging. Nonetheless, you know, most of you know me. I'm a single uh, chief investment officer for a single family office based here in, in Florida. Also, I'm a trustee for our municipal police pension plan. So I have uh, some similarities with Fred there, uh, just at a different scale. Um, uh, you, you know, talk about what excites versus what scares. I think overall, you know, there are just so many significant cross currents that are going on, you know, across the investment markets, across the geopolitical scene, and in uh, now much more fluid political alignments that, you know, things are certainly not the way that they used to be. And so, you know, in seeing this shift from where a rising tide really floated a lot of boats, you know, into a much more idiosyncratic type of environment where, you know, opportunities, both public and private, are you just have to work like a whole lot harder, you know, to find them. But they're certainly there. And so I think that's the exciting part is that, you know, finally being able to dig in and, and not being worried about side being sideswiped, you know, by beta markets uh, is, is, is something that, that we're thinking about particularly on the uh, on the pension plan as you know as, again as many of you know our our family office is pretty conservatively oriented uh, defensive 
and, uh, you know, liking, you know, precious metals and so forth. Yeah, so okay, I'll I'll jump in real. Yeah. NFTs for um, early um, scientific disclosures. So you probably all can intuit there's a time factor that has to do with when you publish a new manuscript uh, scientifically, and you want to have that officially. Um, codified in some way. So we think NFTs could be a really interesting way to do that. So <clears throat> that's what we're spending some time thinking about. Anyone else on 3.0? We alluded with caution to see, uh, to invest in uh, uh, last stage of the, uh, the uh, technical development. Uh, our philosophy is uh, to see that we have sustainable business which we can grow on uh, the existing core strands and uh, see what's going on. So uh, Web3 is uh, something which uh, it's a huge investment for everybody. But if you like to invest and see also in the short-term period return on invest, you should focus on those uh, businesses which are coming up in three years' time. I'll give you an example. We are running a fintech company. Uh, we, uh, th uh, this company was great, and we bring the company from great to uh, the next stage. And uh, in the last three years, we developed the company. And we, uh, we get now uh, 7x out of that. If you invest this in new t technologies, we will never get this return. And this is a different story. Yeah? So for investors, it's for us, it's important that we see a, a certain return after a certain time and not doing everything which is uh, a later stage of uh, um, development. Anyone else on 3.0? Yeah, so, so to that, I think uh, the way I would phrase it is our, we are... Uh, our, um, our fund also has a, um, a side fund called Polymorphic, which invests purely in Web 3.0 uh, and fintech-related companies early stage. And we do see there that focus on near-term use cases are very important. So the insurance industry and financial industry, creating infrastructure for that that has a, I want to say, sort of a two, three-year outlook of bringing a product to market that actually works, makes sense, saves people money. Uh, or increase their sales uh, cycle or, uh, or reduces risk, one of those three. If it doesn't, we're not interested in it because it's too far out. I think this, this environment is, is it's very important for us and we tell our portfolio companies that we have to sort of change our, our, our vision from super bright to let's focus on conserving cash. Let's, the runway should be on the, on the dashboard as well as sales and customers and what have you. How much cash do I have today? How much cash do I have tomorrow? Because those P 
people who survive and eventually thrive are people who can adapt best to this new environment. We don't think the environment's going to change in the next six to 12 months. We think it's a much longer uh, term and it's not a, a V-shaped recovery and therefore the portfolio companies that we sort of manage or help manage really need to understand that um, they need to adapt and they can't just uh, throw money at sort of pet projects anymore. It has to be very focused on solving a real pain point of a customer, drive sales, reduce costs, reduce risk for somebody. Yeah, just a couple words on it. I think it's early and it's undefined. And I, I think we're in the early 80s, you know, of computing and took till the 2000s to really understand what Web 3.0 is. I think we're talking about blockchain and, and so forth as um, infrastructure plays associated with Web 3.0. But when you start talking about the meta universe, it's going to be really exciting for brands. There's going to be a lot of there already are a lot of early movers associated with playing as eyeballs come into that space. But there's so many unanswered questions of how you monetize and where this goes, what are the societal impacts and so forth. When did you start investing? Like what's the vintage of your latest fund? So we're a relatively new firm. Um, we've been at this for 16 months. Uh, we opened our doors in early 21. We raised our first developmental fund, around a $20 million fund, and then we're in the middle of fund two, which will be a $125 million fund. We'll make 12 to 15 investments. Uh, we're growth stage investors, so uh, we generally intersect with companies at that unique inflection point of scaling. Um, Stage-wise, as you all know, stages can range quite a bit today, but um, we see ourselves as generally B and C investors. And mostly Ohio-based or higher No, so eGateway, uh, we're really national, international, our sixth investment. We'll be making our sixth investment here in a couple of weeks. It's our first international investment. Um, of the other five, uh, three have come from California, one from Austin, and one in this great region. Um, I think Noah's in this 80 acres, um, a vertical farm there here in go. the region. Yeah. Well, you touched on real estate. Um, Ann and I are from Central Ohio, uh, an area that's really got crushed, um, and some of our favorite areas, you know, with Intel coming, and I know we, we're going to talk about real estate in general, but what do you think of real estate in general? And then there are pockets, like it seems like the you call, kinetic energy in, in, in Ohio and the wind is at, it, at its back. Is that an asset class that you're seeing, Brian? You've done some investments here. You see more deal flow in real estate than anyone else. And then there's some interesting innovation inside of real estate. Uh, absolutely. Uh, we've, we've done, um, I think we're about to close our, our 10th loan in Ohio. Uh, most have been around the Columbus uh, area. Uh, we financed um, about 50 homes being built uh, with one builder, and uh, now we're closing on something, the developer of a, a food court in a New Albany area outside Columbus. Uh, we're seeing tremendous growth there. Um, it, re it really takes a joint partnership, right? I've, I've I've been to cities where things uh, or areas where you should see things change, but the leadership of that area cannot create the right environment to um, get the people in there that, that need that. Uh, and then I've seen cities where the leadership's done an excellent job, and um, it's just a win-win for everybody, win-win for the residents, win-win for the city uh, and, and the development of, uh, of the city and the economic base of the city.
So you you really need kind of both. But um, but you, you haven't know, seen any deal flow out of Cincinnati area? No deal flow? Uh, we have not seen anything out of the Cincinnati area, but we, we like the area a lot. And when we, you know, we're based in Connecticut, and when we expand out of our area, we try. We spend a lot of time with, with developers talking about their business plan, what their five-year, ten-year business plan is, because we want to grow with them, and we want them to be able to grow with us. So most of the, for instance, the gentleman in Ohio, we've done seven loans with them, right? And then now this is a new borrower that we're going to close in New Albany. So we try and grow with people. And we are definitely actively looking to grow in this area. For, for those that are in, the, in that field, questions from others? Hold on. Uh, going back to some of the asset allocation uh, discussion, maybe Bill Fred, uh, a lot of thought around uh, privates being uh, an area of interest. Uh, not so much public equities and, and maybe treasuries here. Given the uh, valuation uh, change in the public equity markets down 20, 25 percent, are you starting to see that same type of value in the, in the private markets? Am I coming through okay? There we go. Sure. Yeah, I think on the on the private equity side, there's still a lot of froth at the larger funds and and the and the bigger deals. I I think there remains and continues to be good value. You know, if you dig down into the smaller funds and look at the guys doing things at at earlier stages. Uh, so you know, that's at the pension fund. Uh, we have it's an extraordinarily conservatively allocated has been for many years, but given everything that's been going on in the markets uh, this year, and actually I started a conversation with our consultant about a year and a half ago to start thinking more broadly about how we can diversify. And so we're beginning to look at private equity. We're beginning to look at private credit as well. So we're, we're far behind, you know, guys like Fred and, and other institutions, but I think it's, it's the nature of, of the circumstances that we have that even small plans you know, have to start looking at, at other opportunities. And so, you know, again, you know, we're, we're looking at, at private equity funds uh, that are looking at smaller opportunities where there hasn't been so much froth. Um, I'll just say on the public market side, we might be getting close to a situation where some of the growth companies, you know, have been knocked down enough that they're now starting to take off on, uh, on value screens, you know, which could be very interesting. That, that happened, you know, back in the in the GFC, 
So, you know, we'll, we'll see how, how that aspect of it develops as well. Sure, sure. I couldn't hear you exactly, Mark. Um, so, yeah, I think valuations have become more attractive. Um, the S&P 500 trades at approximately 18 times the next 12 months earnings. I think for us is, is really what's going to happen next, because that, that multiple is, is relatively attractive. But if earnings fall, like in the second half of this year, then the valuation may not look as attractive. So it feels somewhat similar to year 2000, where you have kind of the uh, deflation of the tech bubble. And you've seen that both in public equities as well as late stage private. So the question is, is the Fed able to create a soft landing or is there a mild recession, um, in which case, you know, you could see earnings contract and valuations come down further. Um, we've actually added a bit to our equity exposure recently because we think from a technical standpoint, the market is, you know, arguably becoming a bit oversold. So we think there could be a near term um, bounce in equities. But the question remains longer term, is, is the Fed going to navigate the current inflationary situation in, in a way that results in a non-recessionary environment? Now, this week, we have, uh, you mentioned China, but we have a, a Dutchman and a German, and we're forced in Europe, right? And the Europe City recession wins. Where does the picture of Europe Hi, Germany, right? How do you want to talk about the winds of Europe? Heat slide for Europe, uh, just showing uh, what's uh, what's going on. The heat map slide, it's next one. It's always great when you call on somebody, you got a slide so to answer. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so, going to the next one. Yes, this is the heat map slide of the last uh, quarter uh, transactions which has been done in Europe, and you will see here. Uh, by region and by uh, um, industry sector, where um, where uh, the biggest uh, deals has been done in Europe, uh, and uh, in general, what we realize, uh, TMT markets are the most interesting one. Interesting is uh, that, uh, especially Turkey, Middle East, uh, it's the most interesting one. It's also it's a mayor. It's not just still Europe, yeah. uh, but also UK and Ireland. The rest of Europe is a little bit struggling in, in TMT. Uh, and if you see the heat map then, uh, we are focused on TMT and financial services. If you see the rest of the industries, um, chemicals, it's also doing well. Um, but um, what we have realized in the last um, six months, that we have much more restrictions to, uh, that deals going through. The reason is uh, that we have much more strong regulations on the antitrust and uh, the merger control. And that we have much more regu uh, regulated issues, which has been uh, solved in advance to, uh, for a transaction. So the transaction I'm closing next week has been signed 
14 months ago. Yeah, so April uh, 2021, we signed the transaction and we close it next week. Now, this is, uh, it's a disaster. It is, this is going on because uh, all of these things are coming up by the regulation uh, and um, especially TMT industries and financial sectors are infected by specific uh, reviews of the local authorities and uh, national, uh, nationwide but authorities to see what's going on. We have one, like one more minute or two. Uh, Eddie, give a, give a, a quick insight on, on Europe, or maybe your family office. Yeah, so the, the, ones, the one thing we see for our fund and also our family office is that energy transition is very important in Europe, and it remains a very high calling card for almost all governments think uh, it's very important, and they put a lot of money behind it. And there's very interesting technologies, come, carbon capture technologies, fusion and fission technologies coming out of Europe right now that are, that are interesting. I think that will have a potentially good f future to uh, be able to be exported to the U.S. as well. So that's, that's, that's what we keep, uh, keep looking at. Valuations are coming down, but it takes typically for us that we see private, public to private, it's about six months or so in order for people really to accept their fate, basically. It's very difficult for management to go out and all of a sudden say, oh, you know, the NASDAQ is 28% down, just let the next round, let's mark it down 28%. That's not, that doesn't happen. They try first to sell it at par or sell it a little above par. Takes takes about six months. We, we feel and we've seen it before uh, to really reflect the current reality. Um, and so for us, we've been sitting a little bit on our hands, waiting for not just for a good deal, but for a great deal to come by, uh, and then and then we'll strike. And it's difficult sitting on your hands, but it's uh, it's necessary. I just and I look at you. I think of pickleball. And we got to figure out how to win. <laughs> we, we, we we need a rematch. Um, I heard there were maybe some injuries today. Is that what I heard? Yes, we're not going to talk about it right now. Uh, well, look, we're going to switch to, uh, and to uh, disruptive companies should win in all markets. Uh, and the question that Anne's going to ask everybody is, why do you deserve to win? So we're going to parade up the disruptors and thank uh, everybody here for, for their insights. Come join our 361 firm community of investors and thought leaders. We have a lot of events created by the community as we collaborate on investments and philanthropic interests. Join us.